This is a recording for the Church of the Resurrection. We are an Anglican church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our worship includes the proclamation of God's Word, the regular celebration of the Holy Communion, and an expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in the church and our lives. Please join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Boys and Girls Club on 824 East 14th Street. I'll ask you to use your imagination just a little bit this morning. Uh, imagine that we're having one of those thunderstormy days we've been having. It's, it's thunder and lightning and pouring down rain. Just sheets of rain are coming down. And uh, Father Christopher is on his way over here to do the service. You've gotten up. You've gotten yourself together. You got your kids out of bed. You got, every, you got the family ready. You've made all the effort to come to church on the stormy day. And you're here and it's getting near 10 o'clock, and no Father Christopher. And you're here, and you've gone through all the effort, and you know that the clock is ticking on the other end of the morning because there's, there's, there's soccer or something going on, or grandma's coming, or something's going on, and you, you know, you've got things to do and things to keep. 10.15, no Christopher. 10.20, he comes in soaking wet. And what's happened is, as he was driving here uh, to do the service, uh, there was somebody broken down by the side of the road uh, and trying to change a tire and not being very successful. And he stopped and he got out to help this person change their tire, get out of the rain, and get on their way. And that's what he did. Now imagine that. And, and imagine, on the one hand, when he explains why he's late and all wet, um, you know, on the one hand, you're thinking, well, that was a, a nice thing he did. But you're also thinking, grandma's going to be waiting at the restaurant. You know, I was here at 10 o'clock. You know, that those thoughts start to creep in and intrude. That's the situation in some ways that Jesus is describing when he springs this story on the lawyer who's asking him these questions. Because the priest and the Levite uh, who passed the wounded man guy, wounded man by, it's not that they were especially bad guys. It's not that they were corrupt. It, it's that in weighing everything, they, 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 they did the, I got to be there at 10 o'clock. Now, they, don't, they didn't run on a clock like we do. But what they were thinking is, under the law, if that guy's dead and I touch a dead body, or even if he's still got some life in him, and I come in contact with his blood, I am ceremonially, ceremonially can I say that? Ceremonially polluted. I have, as I said in a sermon a few weeks ago, spiritual cooties. And I can't go do my work at the temple. The priests and the Levites were the ministers of the temple. And if I can't do my work at the temple, the people who've slogged many miles to offer sacrifice, they're feeling guilt about their sins, and they've come to the great temple in Jerusalem, and they've slogged all that way to, to find the forgiveness of God by offering sacrifice. And I'm not there to do sacrifice. Well, they're hosed. You know, they, they can't offer their sacrifice. I'm on duty this month as one of the priests of the temple. And so they're calculating... The, the, the what's the right thing to do, uh, what's the important thing to do, and they leave the guy by the side of the road. It actually makes sense. It's actually making sense because for the temple system to work as it did in those days, they had to be there and they had to be clean. They couldn't eat certain foods. They couldn't do certain activities. They definitely couldn't touch dead things or blood. All kinds of rules they had to keep. And along comes the Samaritan and that's a whole other sermon because that, 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 that's a whole other dimension to the story. The Samaritan was basically a, a repugnant figure to any observant Jews. They were, they were, they were, um, they were, they were not 
of pure blood, so to speak. They practiced their own brand of the religion. They, they, talk about spiritual cootie. They were cootie central. And so uh, for the Samaritan to be the good guy in the story was offensive right there. But what Jesus is saying is, who did the godly thing? Who did what God would want? And in fact, more than that, who, who imitated God? Because if we understand ourselves to be objects of God's compassion and mercy, then who in the story imitated God? Who, 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 ex who expressed the character of God? And so the, the story really sets up that, that clash between religion that comes out of a fearful sense of there's, there, there's, there's, there's a mean, angry God, and we got to do holy things to keep him off our back, which, which religion however well-intentioned, can often devolve into that. Even Christianity can devolve into that. Um, I, I, I'll, 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 I'll turn the story around. You're the, you're the, you're the Samaritan. You're driving here in the thunderstorm, and, 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 um, and, and you stop to help the person, and you come in halfway into my brilliant sermon, and now I'm steaming because you've missed the brilliant part. And I know you don't do podcasts. You're not going to even hear the brilliant part later, right? And... and uh, there actually are some old school priests who would say, you know, you missed the liturgy of the word. You, no communion for you, you know. Uh, who would say, you know, to, to receive communion, you have to take part in the whole liturgy. And, 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 and so you see, see how we can get. Um, and, and so there, there's that, that, that way that we practice religion, religion that, that, that means we haven't heard the message. We haven't heard what St. Paul says there in Colossians, which is really pretty radical there when you think about it. If we think of religion as us qualifying, earning God's favor, what does he say? God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. God has delivered and transferred you from one kingdom to the other. You know, you, you, didn't, you didn't do anything. And that's, 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 that's really offensive to our pride. There's a part of our human nature that rebels against that, that says, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And instead, the gospel calls on us, Christ calls on us to understand that God is doing really the heavy lifting. God is doing the heavy lifting. Now, that doesn't mean uh, we're passive, and it doesn't mean we just everything's good, and that's the other extreme that people can take it to. Um, you know, you, you can hear people flippantly say, oh, hey, I'm okay, you know, Jesus has me covered, and things like that. And they live a life that doesn't reflect the life of God, that's very self-serving and, and self-seeking and, and doesn't show any fruit of having the Spirit of God active in them, and yet they, 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 they claim a faith position that says that God's got it covered. So, it, it, you know, on the one extreme, in rebutting the lawyer who keeps asking these questions, who knows the truth, by the way, who knows the truth? Isn't it interesting that the summary of the law that we start at the service, that we say at the start of the service, God, I can't even speak English this morning. The summary of the law that we say at the start of the service, that rolls very nicely if I say it right, um, is not Jesus you know, preaching a sermon. It, it, it's a, it comes out of the mouth of someone he questions, who, who knows the truth and yet it has trouble applying it. Love the Lord with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, when the guy says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's on the right track because he knows he has to inherit it, first of all. He knows that it's a gift from God. And yet he keeps pushing these questions to say, but what must I do? How, how do I make it happen? 
And, and if it's an inheritance, you don't do anything, right? If you've ever inherited anything, um, you, you didn't do anything. Somebody else did something. And, uh, and so the, the guy has it right, and yet um, he keeps pushing this legalism on the one hand, and yet Jesus goes on to say, okay, God is doing the heavy lifting, and yet we need to live a life that reflects that, that what we've received. We need to be in awe of this fact that we have been qualified and transferred from one kingdom to another, not by something we did, but because God loves us, because God has chosen us, because God has looked at us for whatever there's, and, and it's one of those questions you don't get answered in this life. Why? I don't know. Why, why does God choose one person? It's not because of some quality that we did that impressed God. Uh, it's that God has loved us. And so this proclamation of the gospel every week, that Christ gave himself for us, uh, is, is, uh, is a formidable message that really, it, 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 um, it, it really flies in the face of a lot of the religious instinct to be scrupulous and super holy and always be there right on time and, and you know, not stop to help somebody in trouble because I gotta be there and do this ritual right on time. It, it flies in the face of that and yet, it then creates a, a whole other set of responsibilities, a whole other set of responsibilities, which is to have our eyes open to, uh, to others that we, we may show the mercy that has been shown to us, that we may reflect the life of God as the life of God has been given to us as a gift, as we share the life of Christ, as we put on Christ, as Christ lives within us through the Spirit. Um, we're meant to reflect that in the qualities of God. And what are they? Compassion and mercy are two that are named in the gospel today. Compassion is a very strong word. The Greek word there is a very strong word that, 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 that means, it, it means really sort of in, in, in the guts is what it means. It, it, it means, you know, it, when the Samaritan saw the guy laying by the side of the road, it's almost like it made him, it, it, it made him sick, not, not revolted, but sick that this guy was wounded. It, it, it hurt him that much. It, 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 it's the pulling at your heart, the, the, the twisting of your insides with concern for something. And so God feels that for us in Christ. Who else would go to the cross unless they felt that much passion for people to, to save us? Um, so the, the, um, the compassion that he feels and then the mercy he shows. He, he takes the time and the expense uh, disrupts his own travel for whatever he was doing to care for the guy and to see that he's cared for uh, and, 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 and brought back to life, really, from, from being half dead, as the gospel says. This part, uh, this, 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 this action on our part, again, not to appease you know, a, an angry God, look, I'm doing a good thing, you know, stay out of my business, I you know, that's, that's, that's my good deed for the week. Um, to do these things, the, uh, the Old Testament lesson ended by saying, the word is very near you. The word is within you. We have the scripture. So what must we do? Remember what Jesus said back to the, the guy when he asked the first question. He says, what is in the law? How do you read? To, to hear the scriptures as you're doing, as you're doing here, to read them uh, as we have them available to us in our own lives. The instructions are all there. You know, There's a lot of funny Christian satire humor out there about People waiting for a sign from my favorite Babylon Bee. If you've ever seen that site, some of you I know go to that site. Uh, the, the, there's the one uh, man man uh, man seeks sign from God while his closed Bible is sitting three feet away. You know, 
there's a, the guy, and it shows a guy sitting there intensely in prayer, and his closed Bible is on the table next to him, and he's seeking a word from God. You know, it's there. You know, the word is very near you. As we become familiar with the scriptures, as 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 we apply them in our lives, it, it, it's, God explains to us in 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 in, in every way, you know, what, what to bring, what qualities to bring into life, how to handle different things in life. Um, if I can throw in a modern Sunday illustration where, where, where responsibility as a Christian maybe crashes into um, um, too much flippancy, a little too much uh, saying God's got it covered. Um, I hope I don't step on anyone's toes, but I'm so impressed to see so many kids in church this morning. And the intentional raising and nurture of children is, is part of your church's value system. You know, the, the whole controversy over Sunday youth sports, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, there was an article that came out recently. The guy wrote a really heart, talk about from the guts, a pastor wrote a really heartfelt piece about a painful conversation he'd had where a, a dad in his congregation, the guy was, you know, considered himself a faithful member of the congregation, came up and said, hey, we won't be here for the next X months because it's blank season. And, and the guy tried to convince him that that, that wasn't right, that, 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 you know, to love God with all your, all your being is, you know, worship on the Sabbath is part of it, expressing that and just couldn't, couldn't convince the guy of it. What do Christians do with that? Well, I mean, obviously you're here this morning, so I'm not going to harangue you. You're here. Um, but what are some creative responses? In some place, and it's not, and it's not maybe to back away from the sports, um, it may be to be more engaged. In some communities, uh, people of faith have, have made it a point to get on the governing boards of the sports leagues. And if not outright, you know, stopping Sunday games, at least, you know, moving them till the afternoon, you know, ha leaving Sunday morning open so families can go to church. Other churches I've heard of have actually gone out and pitched a shade out on the soccer pitch, you know, and, and offered worship for families who might be there uh, who are conflicted but who want to worship, you know. But there are creative responses to that, perhaps. Um, you know, the letter to the Hebrews in some translations says to provoke one another to, uh, to love and good works. You know, sometimes we have to be kind of a provocative presence uh, and, and get people on board. But that, that's an example where, where yes, the, see, I'm, I'm not so strict about the Sabbath. I say you can't have fun. I think the, the Sabbath should have time for play and feasting and fun. That's, that's part of, God says, honor the Sabbath day, have a day of rest, and keep it holy. And so I believe it, there's a time for worship, and then a time for festivity and fellowship and all the good stuff of life, thanking God. I mean, part of the Sabbath is a great faith exercise. We're going to have fun because we don't have to work all the time. It, it's a faith statement that, you know, God provides for us. God cares about us, and I don't have to work 24-7. Be, be, because I can take this time because, God, because of God's love and provision. There's a strong faith statement in that. So I'm not saying, no, the Sabbath should be a time where you, you, know, you, you come here and you listen to long, boring sermons, and, and then you go home and read scripture till your eyes fall out. It, it's, not, it's not that image. But, but to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy is increasingly a challenge for, for Christian families. So I commend you for having your families here together and, um, and just want to plant that thought in your head. So, having said on the one hand, on the one hand, you know, it's not about a bunch of rules and regulations to appease uh, a God who's just constantly looking for you to, you know, fall through the trap door. Uh, and, it's, and it's not, on the other hand, a God who's so mushy that, that there's no expectation. He's looking for a transformation in our lives. He's looking for us to be in awe 
and joy of the mercy he's shown, the love he's shown in qualifying us for eternal life, for transferring us from a kingdom that is about death and destruction into a kingdom that is about life and life everlasting. That's powerful news. We should be in awe of that and grateful for that. And then that should overflow in, in us into the same kind of love for other people. We can't do all that for them. We can't do the heavy lifting of their lives, but we can show them expressions of compassion, of mercy, of coming out of ourself in concern for others and, and, uh, and uh, showing them the love of God. So um, it's a powerful, provocative story, the Good Samaritan one. It loses punch because it's, it's, it's so familiar. And of course, it's become a, a you know, it's become a euphemism to be a good Samaritan is to do a good deed, which is true, which is true. But but the story is much more than that, and uh, and we hope that God will will uh, help us into the depths of that story and the change it can generate in us. Today, speaking of change, I'm going to finish with something here. It's actually going to happen here this morning. Uh, Ryan is going to begin to offer a uh, a ministry of of prayer. We're all praying. What are you talking about? Uh, he's going to offer a ministry of prayer for your benefit. Part of coming together in worship is, is to come with a sense of expectation that, that God is meeting us here, meeting his people here, and, and, and that, that he cares and that, that, that his power is present for all of our needs. And so um, after communion, you come up and take communion, and we're gonna, we decided arbitrarily, now this may change over the weeks, um, we're going to plant Ryan at midcourt over here in the circle right there. And um, if you are so moved, if you have a need, it can be for somebody else. Maybe your compassion, your insides are churning because there's someone in your family or at your workplace or in your neighborhood, somebody you know who's got trouble or suffering. Um, if you want to bring a prayer concern over into the circle there, Ryan is going to offer prayer for you. So come up, receive communion. He will pray with you over there. Um, the hope is that this will become a regular part of the parish's life and expanding ministry. Um, bring that concern to him and that privacy and, and, and uh, uh, let, let that be lifted up. Jesus said, where two or three of you come together, I am there. And, and when you agree in prayer on something, as we heard in the collect today, that, that, that is pleasing to God's merciful ears, God's power is going forth into the situation. The outcomes may not always be what we expect, but you are bringing God's power to bear on that situation. So let us uh, affirm our faith now in the words of the Nicene Creed. 